This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. Welcome to Oasis City Church. Uh, I am delighted uh, to minister to you this morning. Uh, part two of um, our sermon entitled Angels and Demons. Sorry, I'm scrolling here. Um, which is actually week four of our series called Strange Things. And um, uh, we've just really been enjoying our time talking about the supernatural uh, the world's talking about the supernatural. There's all uh, all over media and all over Netflix and all over the cinema uh, is supernatural things from, uh, of course, Stranger Things is a supernatural series. But but also anything that's uh, done with uh, angels, demons, vampires, um, uh, supernatural superheroes, superpowers, the world's infatuated with the supernatural. And I think it's about time that the church is too. I said, I think it's about time the church is too. Just because you and I hold the key to what the world doesn't understand, right? And so in order for us to be effective in our walk with the Lord, we need to understand what the supernatural is in our life. After all, God is spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So in order for you and I to get in touch with who really, who God really is, we do that in the spirit. We do it in spiritual things. Now here's the thing about the spirit. The spirit is what we call unseen. But just because something is unseen doesn't mean that it's unreal. And our theme scripture right now in these few weeks is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 18. And it says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What do we focus our eyes on? The unseen. Say unseen. unseen. You're about to see something today in the unseen world. You're about to learn something today about how the unseen world interacts. Um, so if you were here last week, uh, you got a, uh, a lot of information based upon the angelic and the demonic and how they operate. And today we're going to kind of pick up where we left off, but we're going to hit a couple of the same scriptures from last week, but in a different light, in a different perspective. Last week I taught on one aspect of it. I'm going to teach on another one today. So if you are new here, or if this is your first time here, or if you just simply were on vacation last week, uh, you can go back and listen to the podcast uh, or watch the online video so that you can get the, the message in its entirety. 
Genesis uh, 1 verse 1 is a common uh, scripture. Even those who don't uh, know the Lord um, have recognized this scripture because it's, it's one of those common ones that are out there. And the Bible says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Which word in that uh, line is plural? Heaven. Heaven is plural. Heavens, plural. Uh, there's one earth um, and there's multiple heavens. Now, if you watch Marvel comics, there's multiple earths. But 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 outside of Marvel land, uh, in in our real world, there's one earth. But but God created heavens. And uh, I won't take the time today to talk what I shared last week, but um, multiple heavens. And what we know and what we can deduct from the scripture is that there's basically three heavens. First heaven, second heaven, third heaven. Uh, the second heaven has a couple different names in the scripture. Uh, the book of Revelation on multiple times uh, mention it as mid-heaven, mid-heaven, as in in between two other heavens, mid-heaven. Um, and it discusses that angelic activity is in the mid-heavens. Um, so I like to lay it, the groundwork by saying that the first heaven is everything spiritually that we interact with right now as you and I are on the earth. It, it's this, um, not just in the sense that we have a natural sky that's a heaven, you know, kind of from the sky down basically, but it's, it's, it's more or less in the spirit, everything that we interact with spiritually on this earth right now, any demonic force, any angelic activity, that's kind of a first heaven. In other words, a terrestrial, uh, this, this, this realm right here. The second heaven, um, this mid heaven, um, is where, uh, demonic strongholds, principalities, and powers and rulers are set up. Um, and we learned about that last week in the book of Daniel about the spiritual warfare that took place in this second heaven realm where Daniel is on earth, he's praying, God answers the prayer, sends an angel who gets caught up for 21 days fighting a demon, a prince, a demon prince over Persia. And he he's resisted and he can't get to Daniel in time until Michael is sent from heaven. God's like, hey, he needs some help. And he deals with this prince, which is a demonic prince, over this region, over an entire region of the earth. Um, and then that other angels released to go to Daniel to give the answer. Um, and so we, we recognize that this angelic uh, battle takes place in this mid-heaven realm. Now, the third heaven is where Paul's talking about, and he says um, that he's visited uh, the, the third heaven, or that he knows a man who has visited. Some Most theologians, I personally believe Paul's speaking about himself there. It actually doesn't matter who it is, but he speaks about the third heaven, and that's the place where um, the Lord himself resides. That's where God is. That's where angels are around the throne, living creatures around the throne, declaring holy, holy, holy. And that happens to be also where as born again believers, you and I reside right now with Christ. For the scripture says that we are currently seated in heavenly places with Jesus. So right now, uh, because of the cross, because of you being able to be born again and having the spirit of God live in you, because as a born again, and a new creation on the earth, you have dual citizenship. You're co-seated. You are here right now on the earth, right here. You're sitting right now at 975 East Wind Drive, um, where your GPS took you today, and you're s- sitting on nice, comfy chairs. You're also seated in heavenly places. 
you're not seated in the second heaven. You're actually seated in the third heaven. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so you have access to the things of God. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray. Pray this prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Because since the time of Christ and because of the finished works of the cross, we can now pray heaven, this third heaven, on earth. Which means that you don't have to spend your time battling the second heaven realm and what's there, that unseen world. You can rely on God to do that. But when you pray on earth as it is in heaven, this third heaven is actually coming down to earth, ruling and reigning. And God is dealing with the second level that you and I don't need to be too concerned about. And I'll teach you a little bit more on that because I do feel like um, Christians have mistakenly misinterpreted uh, Scripture um, where, yes, you and I, yes, we absolutely have authority over powers and principalities. It's in the Scripture. We have authority over them. But it doesn't necessarily say that you and I should pick the fight. If Satan himself came to attack you, to tempt you, because of the armor of God, because of the blood of Jesus, because you're a born-again Christian, you can actually defend yourself and resist the devil. After all, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you, even if it's Satan himself. And so we know this. Even powers and principalities, if they are attacking you, you have a shield of faith. That quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. You spiritually have a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You need to know the word on how to act. But it doesn't just give you a license to attack a, a spiritual realm that you don't know exists anyway. And you don't know where they are. And so I believe, my personal belief in the way that um, I will instruct you is here's how we deal with principalities and power, powers and rulers. We extend the kingdom of God on the earth. Let me tell you this. Rather than you, rather than you thinking you're out there just battling uh, the principality of suicide over Columbus. Say there is one. I'm not sure if there is one, but let's say that there is one. Say there's a principality ruling. That means that that principality, that demonic prince is actually like a puppet master ruling other demonic spirits right here in the earth that is speaking to people about suicide. Follow me? And so... Um, rather than you individually going and attacking this principality, here's the most effective way to do it in the right way. The only way you could, you should do that is if God's told you to do that. And the best way to do that is with like a group of people. Um, you know, I find, uh, if a church went after something because God told us to, then we have authority in that realm. Um, but let me give you an example. So the way to, um, reduce the spiritual stronghold's influence over a city is by you and I casting out demons of people that have a spirit of suicide on them. So once all those demons have no place to live around Columbus, then there's nothing for a principality to rule. So if you and I would just do what we're called to do, cast out devils, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and and heal the sick. If we would just do our Christian job description from Christ himself, we wouldn't have to be concerned about which principality is ruling. Because every time, thank you, Jeremy, I told him to do that. He's allowed to shout at me anytime. He's an elder, so... There was a prophetic word, thank you for that. There was a prophetic word here just a couple months ago that, that, that said that this church was an epicenter for revival in the region. 
That means that, that God is going to start something here or we can participate in something that he wants to do in this whole region for revival. So you and I have to start acting the right way with our assignment. So people that you interact with on the street or in Kroger or at the gas station or at the school system or whatever, you need to recognize this demonic attack that they're struggling with because if you would break the demonic attack over them, get them set free, that principality would be losing its membership. That's our job as Christians. It's first heaven job. Even Jesus himself didn't attack powers and principalities. He could have, but what did he do? He went around healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus went about doing good and taking care of the needs of people. And what it did is it dismantled the principalities over an area because there was nothing left for them to do. They had to go somewhere else. I like John Paul Jackson's quote on this one. And he said, where's my notes? Man, I'm really far. He says, to attack principalities and powers over a geographic area is like throwing hatchets at the moon. It leaves you open to unforeseen and unperceived attacks. I personally believe that there's a lot of Christians who have caused a lot of negative spiritual warfare in their own lives because they were ignorantly applying the scripture. Ignorantly applying the scripture. They had good intentions, but they were ignorant in the application of what the Bible says. Ephesians 6 tells us that we can stand against every attack of the enemy. But it doesn't say, go poke the bear. I had a great email the other day from somebody who doesn't email me. That's a, that's a good email in my mind. Uh, and he said to me, Pastor Bill, thank you for preaching on this subject. Uh, it's much needed. Not a lot of churches uh, will teach this. And he said, and don't take silence as negative. It's just people really processing and thinking. And I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I needed that. Because I'm looking for responses sometimes. And I even saw, see people like squinting at me like, really? I'm like, is it me? Is it something I said? Yes, it actually is. Have you ever had a completely irrational conversation with someone? I mean, someone that you know, that loves you. Maybe it's a friend, a family member, a spouse, a coworker. Completely irrational conversation. Like, what in the world? Where did you get this information? Why are you feeling this way? You feel attacked. Um, and it's this, I'm just giving you a hint. Most likely, it's a demon that's whispering into somebody's ear that's listening to thoughts that aren't theirs. Oftentimes, if you meet with me for counseling, I will say these words to you. Those thoughts aren't yours. Those thoughts aren't yours. That thought about you getting a divorce, that thought about the way you dislike so-and-so, that that thought's not yours. You know how I know it's not theirs? Because it lines up with all the stuff that the devil lines up with. The accuser of the brethren, the liar, he's the father of lies. He's the one who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the one who brings strife and division. And I look at somebody and I say, those thoughts aren't yours. They don't belong in your mind, in other words. And that's where we have this great spiritual warfare. Hold every thought captive to the Lordship of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, those thoughts aren't yours. They don't belong to you. And if God hasn't given it to you, then don't allow a negative thought to impact you to the point where you are actually verbalizing it to somebody else. 
because that causes irrational thoughts, irrational conversations that don't make any sense. And all it does is empower the enemy. Let me give you another example. Uh, the apostle Paul says this, don't give the devil a foothold. Remember that? In other translations, don't get the devil an opportunity. Now it's interesting where he says that scripture. He says it right after this statement. Be angry and don't sin. Don't sin in your anger. Meaning it's okay to be angry about something. But as soon as you cross the, the line into sin, then this is what happens. You give the enemy a foothold. That means there's a possibility as a Christian to give the devil an opportunity in their life. To give a demonic entity an opportunity. Oftentimes it comes from anger. I'll just give you that little piece of free advice. Oftentimes you will find you have actually given the enemy an opportunity in your life when you're angry with somebody and you don't handle it the right way. When you get into an argument, when you get into a disagreement and anger boils up in there, and if it's not processed properly, you have now given an opportunity. He says, he warns you, don't give the devil an opportunity. You've given the enemy an opportunity to attach itself to you, to whisper in your ear, and then you and I become a mouthpiece, a parrot to a demon. And we repeat what it says. Aren't you glad you came to church? Just trying to help you. The book of Ezekiel in chapter 28. It's a fascinating uh, chapter. I read it last week, portion of it. Um, and in there, it talks about, the, the, the God is talking to the prophet about Lucifer. It describes Lucifer. Now, um, what we know about Lucifer is now called Satan. Um, we don't necessarily, he's not termed as an archangel, uh, the only identified archangel in the scripture is Michael. But we do know that there are multiple archangels. We know that. And it's widely believed among theologians that at least the three named ones uh, are Gabriel, the messenger, Michael, who we know, the warring angel, and Lucifer himself, the beautiful one, um, and the worshiper. And so uh, even if he didn't have that title, he had high, high, high level of as a prince uh, in heaven. And so Ezekiel 28 describes Lucifer. It describes him in his glory and in his goodness. And it also describes his failure and how he was able to convince one third of heaven to fall. Um, one third of in, uh, celestial beings, not just angels, but powers, principalities, and, and all these rulers and such. One third of, of heaven fell. And I believe that it didn't happen Overnight, in the sense that Lucifer didn't just do this in one moment. They 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 all fell overnight. God's God's uh, you know did it in a moment. But I believe, in in my mind, this took some time for Lucifer to convince other demons to to not follow God. And Ezekiel twenty eight describes Lucifer. As a tail bearer. Say tail bearer. That word tail bearer also means um, slanderer. It means somebody telling a tale, gossiper. And what I, uh, if you can, you can imagine this, the pride, we know, uh, we, we know from a few passages in scripture that, that Lucifer dealt with pride and pride was his big fall. But, but he had to be prideful himself first. And in his pride, he began to tell tales 
to other angelic beings, celestial beings, to get them to not serve the Lord. It would be like a tale like this in my mind, it, like this. You know what, God, he, do, do you really think he even knows your name? Look how many angels there are. Do you think he really cares about you? I mean, you're on just this low rank. I know that I'm a prince, but you know what? I care about you. I see you. May, you know, God, he's just so wrapped up in himself. He's making everything. He's so, he's so consumed with other things. He doesn't really have time for you. But I tell you what, I've got time for you. I'll care for you. I'll make sure that you have a palace to, to live in. in. In the scripture, it says that there are multiple sanctuaries in, in heaven, in this third heaven. There's multiple sanctuaries. And, and what we we believe is that, that Lucifer had like authority in this sanctuary. Could you imagine him splitting the church with his own tails? In his sanctuary, he told things his way. And over time and over time, he was able to convince one-third to turn against God. And here's how it's described. Isaiah chapter 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. Where is he cut down to? The earth. You who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will rise, raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the mount of assembly. In the recesses of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Satan, Lucifer at the time, says five things. And they're all I statements. I will do this. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above God. I will sit on the mounts of the assembly. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Pride. We have to deal with pride. I had to deal with pride. I had pride that I battled for years that I didn't even recognize it. And the pride caused me to strive for things. It caused me to to um, have such great ambition that I looked beyond what was right in front of me, constantly chasing after something. And it was pride that fueled it. And once I got delivered from that, I could now see things differently. If you got pride, get delivered from it. That's my advice. Back to the tale bearer in Proverbs chapter 20, in verse 19, it says this. He who goes about as a tale bearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the one who flatters his lips. That's advice to you and I. He who goes about as a tale bearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the one who flatters his lips. I believe the Lord's encouraging us to operate in our identity in Christ and not agree with the things of the enemy. After all, 
He's the liar and father of lies. After all, he's the accuser of the brethren. After all, he's the tale bearer. After all, he's the inventor of gossip. After all, he's the slanderer. And he's even called that by the Lord. And you and I have to recognize these demonic influences in this first heaven realm because this is who we interact with. Satan was cast down to the earth, right? A lot of people think Satan lives in hell, but Satan uh, doesn't live in hell. Hell is reserved for him, but he has um, the ability to be on earth and in the second heaven. The book of Job describes it. Satan comes up to the Lord to talk to him, and God says, where have you been? And he says, I've been walking around on the earth. That's what he says. And right here, Satan fell like lightning to the earth. He, after all, he roams around like a roaring lion. He was in the earth. He came and tempted Jesus. He came and, and, uh, uh, you know, possessed Judas, Satan himself. I'm not just talking about demonic powers here. Now the scripture does tell us who runs hell. It's, there are two princes, two demonic princes. One is called death and one's called Hades. It's in the book of Revelation. They rule hell. That, that, that's who rules hell. Satan, I mean, I don't know. He goes there. He can visit. You know, I don't know what he talks about. I don't know what the conversation is between death and Hades and, and, and Satan. I'm not sure. He's like, good job, guys. I, I, I don't know what, what goes on. All I do know is that Jesus took the keys, defeated all the powers and Satan himself. Now, um, in the book of Matthew, if you could go to my first scripture, cause I didn't do it, but I'm going to hit it now. Cause I'm, I'm making decent time. I think just, I'm just going to review a scripture I read last week, but I'm going to hit a different angle of it. So here's Jesus. He's about to start his ministry. He's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says he's hungry. In other words, he's weak. He's physically weak. He's alone in the desert. There's no Netflix. Alone. Satan comes to him. Walks to Jesus on the earth. Satan, you know, he's on the earth. He comes to Jesus on the earth. Jesus recognizes him. He knows what he looks like. Satan knows what Jesus looks like. He comes and he tempts Jesus three times. And I'm picking up the third temptation. And it says, again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Now, of course, Jesus had the opportunity to decapitate Satan. I mean, I would have done like the emperor uh, electric strike. That's what I would have done if I was Jesus. But he didn't do that because Jesus is showing the principle that if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. And that's what Jesus says. He says, rebuke you, Satan. And Satan had to flee. Last week, I picked up on the fact that angels came to minister to Jesus. If Jesus needed angels, you and I need angels. But this week, I want to say, take a look at what Satan promised Jesus after all. In verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. In other words, Satan is offering the first heaven to Jesus. Before Christ, 
the rulers in the second heaven ruled the earth because of sin that came. And and so the battle is always, you know, the Lord's will being done on earth and God sending angels to the earth and helping mankind and those and Israel and such going through these trials and the exodus and all this stuff. There, but there's a constant battle. And what, what Satan did, because he's the prince of the power of the air, he had authority in the earth and the second heaven. And because he had authority in the earth, that's what he offered to Jesus. He said, you know, I'll give you all of this first heaven if you just will worship me. And Jesus, of course, rejects that offer. Why? Because he knows when he goes to the cross and he dies and we he makes a bunch of new creations on the earth, we rule the earth. I said, we rule the earth. I said, the kingdom of God rules the earth. After all, Jesus said, I've come and I bring you the kingdom. Tell everybody the kingdom of God is at hand. So you and I as Christians doing our job on the earth is what eradicates any of the demonic influence here, Satan can't offer it to anybody because it's not his to give anymore. I really wonder if I have a bald spot. Is that a bald spot? No. I think I might have more fun preaching to those lights than... Uh, I said, if you and I get it straight in our minds... We rule the earth, not the devil who thinks he rules the earth. Thank you, Jesus. They're getting it. Okay, I think some of you are still stuck on death in Hades, maybe. (laughs) Patty Keene, one of our elders in the church. How many of you love Patty? We all do. If you don't know her, as soon as you know her, you'll love her. Patty sent me a great email this week. Uh, many people sent me emails this week because I encourage you to. Um, and uh, about the subject matter of angels and demons. And I love what she said so much that I said, I'm going to share that. And I'm going to tell them, give you credit for it. Uh, she says this to me. My experience with demons causes me to think of them as fleas. They like to bite. They're not easily seen, but super annoying. They multiply quickly when ignored, but there is effective treatment. (laughs) There is effective treatment. So if you see all these, anybody have dogs, you know, fleas or cats even, and you know, pets of some sort, furry things in your house, not your kids. I'm talking about (laughs) fleas. Fleas are nasty. Here's the deal about fleas. Even if you are innocent, if your dog is innocent, if they have no fleas and they go hang out with one of their friends who has fleas, those fleas jump on your innocent dog. Unless the dog has been pre-treated. And you and I have this equipment called the armor of God that actually pre-treats us so demonic activity can't jump on us. I said you and I are pre-treated in Christ with the blood of Jesus and the armor of God so that when even innocently you walk into demonic fleas jumping everywhere, they can't stay on you. But if you're not pre-treated, honey, they get all inside of you and biting you and you come out scratching and itching. Where have you been? I don't know, but I've been bitten up. Well, I know you didn't get pre-treated. Oh, Jesus, I could preach it. Another person emailed me, a few people did, but one person in particular, 
also said last week when I was began preaching on angels, they immediately saw four angels here enjoying the sermon. I was like, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it was from a spiritually mature person. I was like, yeah, I know you. And I was like, that's amazing. God was sending us angelic support because that's what he does. Now, in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 23, verse 20, there's this great scripture. And it says this, behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and bring you into the place which I have prepared. And this is the one line scripture, I believe, describes the activity of angels more clearly than just other one sentences in the scripture. It basically tells us that angels guard us, they guide us, and they they send us to, they lead us to the place that God already has prepared for us. As a matter of fact, I think it's on the screen. Could you just read the statement? Ready? Angels guard you and guide you to the place that God has prepared for you. Would you come forward? Um, angels will guard you and guide you to the place God has prepared for you. They'll minister to you. They will talk to you. They will pray for you. They will encourage you. And all throughout the scripture, angels do these interactions with human beings. If we are aware of them, we can recognize that God is sending help along the way. This amazing couple, uh, Chooks and Bethany, come on forward up here. Um, I'm going to have them remind us of a story that is majorly impacted them. Yeah, so a lot of people already know um, what Jesus brought us through last year. Um, in 2012, my husband was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. And last year, at this time, he was given two weeks to live. Oh. Um, spoiler, he didn't die. <laughs> so, so it was during this time that we had just been sent home from his care team in Atlanta, the last team of three that told us that there wasn't anything else they could do. So we went home to hospice care, and it was a few days into care, and it was a Thursday night, um, like 10.30, dark, raining. Uh, my family actually had come from Michigan to say farewell, actually, to say their goodbyes to my husband. And um, we were kind of wrapping things up for the evening, and they were about to go back to where they were staying, and... Um, and there was a knock on the door at 10.30 at night on a Thursday in the rain. Like, th- that doesn't happen. So, like, I slowly went to the door because I was a little leery. And I opened up the door, and there's this young, seemed like a teenager. Um, it turns out he's a college student. He had a tag name. His name was Samuel. And um, Samuel, and I'm sure you've maybe, they've knocked on your door as well, but they were selling, as a college student, selling, like, educational books. And in the past, I had talked with one of them, but I knew how it was going to go. So I was like, Samuel, I really appreciate that you're out there working, but I just don't, I can't do this tonight. And he said, he said, that's all right. Um, do you mind? Um, I said, you know, we're just kind of going through some things and I, I don't have the time. And he said, that's okay. He said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And I mean, it totally took me off guard because he's just a young kid. And I, I'm never going to say no to that. So yeah. And so... He asked, you know, he said, can I know specifically what's going on? I said, well, my husband, he's actually upstairs in bed, and they've said that he only has a couple of weeks to live. Less at this point. And he said, okay, well, um, I'm going to pray for joy to return to your home, which was something that my father-in-law had been praying and prophesying, like praying over because he felt that he had 
he felt that Satan was actively trying to steal our joy in the midst of all of this. And um, so he said, I'm going to pray for joy to return, and I'm going to pray for healing. And so he put out his hands, and he held my hands and prayed over my entire home. And then he, as he was left, as he left, he said, I'm going to be praying. I want you to know I'm going to be praying and fasting for your family. And um, then he left, and he ended up, what I heard later was that he prayed over my nieces and nephews that were waiting in the car for my older sister to come out. So prayed over them. And I was just like, I was just blown away. I mean, I knew, I knew that that wasn't normal. It wasn't just a person knocking on the door selling textbooks. But so I quickly got out my phone and Marco Tara, Tara and the whole, you know, obviously the pastors, everybody had rallied around us. And so Tara and I had constantly communicating and I was like, girl, you are not going to believe what just happened. 1030 pouring rain. I mean, he shows up, he's got, he's got rain marks up his jeans. And, um, and I said, this is what happened. And immediately, she she sends another Marco back. So it's Thursday night, which is when worship team comes and practices. And, my you know, my husband often plays the congas. And so they were praying for him. And she said, she said, B, she said, Samuel was an angel. Kenny just prayed minutes ago that Jesus would send ministering angels to your home. And just minutes later, just knocks on our door. Yeah, it was a, it was amazing, and unfortunately, he was in bed and missed it all, but received a ton of it. Oh, and yeah. So I wasn't any part of that. I was lying down and waiting for the miracle to happen, and it did. But we had all of you and so many people praying for us and standing for us, and I believe that God did send out angels on my behalf. Amen. I am better today than I was six years before all of that incident happened. Oh. I am better than I ever was. Come on, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. At 10 o'clock at night, on a rainy night, a kid happens to be selling books on a Thursday night named Samuel. While the worship team is praying that God would send an angel, while Chooks is in bed, on his deathbed. Tell me God doesn't know what's happening. And God doesn't send help along the way. And because they were willing to listen and hear. Angels do pray for us. We, we, we know that they do pray. When, now when he said he fasted, I know he eats. I know angels eat. Uh, so apparently they fast too. I didn't know that. I learned something. I don't know how long they fast or how long, but either way. But isn't it amazing how God will, like the scripture says, angels will guard you and they will guide you to the place God has for you. Chooks' place wasn't in heaven yet. He wasn't supposed to die yet. So God will send an angel to help get him to the place where God has prepared for him. And I'm thankful that he's alive and well. Oh, Jesus. Um. I'm not going to be much longer, but I do want to talk about how God equips us and what our responsibility is. And then I want to pray for you. I want to rebuke demons off your life. Uh, that would be good, right? If you have one, you don't need to keep it. Um, they're not pets. They do have fleas. The book of Ephesians, one of my favorite books in the Bible. We teach out of Ephesians often in this church. Um, and it's affectionately known as the sit, walk, stand book. 
sit, walk, stand book. Um, and it's widely believed that this book was distributed among uh, more than just the church at Ephesus. Um, and ultimately, of course, is part of the canon of scripture. Um, but in the beginning of the book, it's a progressive book. Uh, many people think that Paul, it took Paul something like six months to write this letter. It wasn't just something in one thought. It was this as if Paul went through his own revelation as he was going through this process from prison. Uh, but what we do know is the beginning of the book, because it changes themes drastically throughout, and it builds upon one another. The beginning of the book talks about our position in Christ, where we're seated. I quoted it earlier. We are currently co-seated in heaven. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. It talks about where where we sit right now, that you don't have to do anything to be it. And then it moves on and talks about walking, and it says walk in love. That was one of the very first things. If you go through um, in chapters um, uh, 3, 4, going into 5, it's talking about how we act with one another. Now, we're not sitting anymore. We're, we are seated but how we're supposed to interact on the earth with other believers and how we're supposed to treat them, Christian character, uh, and treat non-believers. And then it goes on and he talks about standing. And standing is what we do against the powers of darkness. And so if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to pick up on verse 10, and then I'm going to skip down. It says this, um, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand, say stand, victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. We stand and God flows in and through us. Put on God's God's complete set of armor provided for us. It's already given to you. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to get it on eBay. So that you will be protected as you fight against the strategies of the accuser. What's he called? He's the tail bearer. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under heavenly realms. Our battle is with these principalities and rulers because they are puppet masters to other demonic institutions. If we break down these demonic powers, then these puppet masters have nothing to rule over. Hello? Because of this... You must wear the armor of God that provides you as you're protected and in your, uh, as you confront the slanderer, for you are destined for all things and you will rise victorious. We confront the slanderer and we're destined to rise victorious. And he goes on to talk about the armor uh, of God. And at the end, he says, pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon his believers. It's vital that we recognize our position in Christ, how we stand firm and we fight against the enemy. That's why I said we don't pick a fight. We stand as the enemy approaches. You and I are equipped to defeat any entity, including Satan himself, if he comes to try to deal with us in some manner. And But just before I pray, I want to mention something about angels. Angels do a lot, but there's three overwhelming, uh, there's three items that are overwhelmingly a theme throughout the scripture that angels participate in. And one is they make declarations or they make proclamations. Throughout the Bible, 
Angels are proclaiming truths. We here at this church, we pray, we teach on declarations and proclamations in prayer. Angels also worship and they praise. They do these three things often. And it should be something that uh, that we as new creatures in Christ, new creations of Christ, born again believers, we should be participating in as well. Um, how many of you believe in the power of declaration? Well, let me tell you also, Satan believes in the power of declaration. There's, there's incantations in witchcraft that are declarations, prayers that are repeated over and over and over. There is, and I don't want to dishonor any person, but there is a new, uh, store in Westerville, uh, that is, um, a, a, a place for Wiccans and other spiritualists to go and buy things, place for fortune tellers and tarot cards and sorcerers to buy things, uh, to a place where there are certain, um, scents and, and, and crystals and such that have been made, incantations have been made over them so that they have power to do different things. There's the spiritualist new age stuff is alive and well. Declarations are something the enemy knows uh, 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 full well about. Also, uh, how about this? Here's a declaration. Let's compare it to um, Christian declarations. Five times a day, every day. Five times a day, every day. In every mosque all over the world. Five times a day, every day, in every mosque. That's billions of times already... That this declaration has been made. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. Now my challenge is how many Christians are five times a day every day declaring Jesus Christ is Lord? How many Christians are declaring every day, five times a day, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life that no one comes to God except through him. How many Christians throughout the day are praying declarations? Because let me tell you, there are other religions praying declarations. There are new age things praying declarations. There's demonic influences penetrating and whispering declarations. How much of Christians are, how many Christians are actually doing their assignment? We're going to see revival in central Ohio as an epicenter because we are making prophetic declarations over this region. And just like demons are fleas, I think they're flies too. They come and they like to land. They like to stick on your TV right in the middle of the big game. You're swatting at them. You can't get them. And so I just want to make a declaration over this church and over your family. And what would it look like if we say that this place is a no-fly zone? This place, your house, is a no-fly zone. What if there were no fleas, no flies, no, no, no critters, no, no demonic influences that were able to infiltrate your home, your property line? What, how does your life look different when you stand with the armor of God and no weapon formed against you will prosper? Would you stand, please? I'm going to end this by making a declaration over you. And before I do it, I did this last week as well. I'm going to do two parts on this one. Uh, because I want to make a, a, a declaration about angels as well. But, but there's demonic activity 
in many of our lives right here. And you need to be aware of it. And you need to get rid of it. Now, before I pray a prayer, Jesus, uh, and I haven't done this much in my life. I think last week was the first time I ever did it, actually, in a corporate setting. I've done it individually with people. Jesus tells a story. And he says that there was a guy that had a demon in his house. And they swept the house clean. They got rid of the demon. Demons are spirits without bodies. They like to inhabit. They like to fly and they like to land. This demon left and went to a waterless place. In other words, he was in the desert. He was dry. He couldn't find anywhere to land. So he decided that he needed to go back to where he was comfortable in that man's house. However, he didn't think he was strong enough to get back in. So he's, he went and he found seven more demons, more powerful than himself, to go in. And Jesus said that that man's latter days were worse than his former days. In other words, he now had to deal with eight demons because the one came back and brought friends. The reason he was able to bring friends is because the man's house wasn't filled with anything else. That's the spiritual context for us. When your life is filled with the Spirit of God and you're a born-again Christian, your life is filled with Jesus, you're a new creation, that demon cannot come back and reside in your life. So I'm going to pray a prayer rebuking demons from you. But before I do it, if you don't know Jesus, I actually don't want you to pray the prayer. The reason is, is because I don't want next week in your life to look worse than this week. But I've got good news for you. If you want to get rid of demonic influence in your life and you don't know Jesus, if you give your life to him today and you pray a prayer with me today, right now, when I pray it, we can also, you can also be born again, be saved, be totally new and also get rid of the demonic stuff that you've been dealing with. That's like a two for one special. That's better than anything. So if you're here right now and you don't know Jesus, you want to know him and you want to get free from all this demonic activity that's been in your life. Would you raise your hand? Cause I want to pray for you right now. So if you don't know Jesus, but you want to know Jesus, raise your hand and I want to pray for you right now. Thank you. I see your hand. Who else? Who else? You want to know Jesus. Just lift your hand up boldly because God's going to change your life today. Yeah. I see a second hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? I'm just going to lead you in a prayer that's about 15 seconds long. Well, just pray this after me. If you want to know Jesus, the rest of us as a church, just in support, we can pray together. Just say, dear Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you for dying for me. I accept your sacrifice. Would you forgive me of my sin? I want to serve you all of my days. I give you my life. Amen. Whoa. Yeah, right there. Right there. The presence of God actually filled your heart and your life. All right, so can we pray this demon prayer? (laughs) You want to get free, right? So Christians can have demons. I'm letting you know that. Don't don't think that they can't. They can't possess you. They don't have access to your spirit, but they can be in your soul. They can actually be in your soul, not just oppressing you on top of you. 
if you need to know more about that, we can talk to you about it. But but don't believe that you can't have one. Uh, I had a demonic encounter uh, that wasn't pretty either. And I was like, how'd that thing get there? Um, but you don't have to keep them. You don't have to keep them. Once your soul gets healed, they don't have access. They have no place to land. Okay? So uh, I'm going to pray this prayer. You're going to repeat after me. And we're just going to break demonic ties that you have. Now, if you know right now, because I know many of you weren't here last week. Uh, if you know right now, you can identify demonic uh, entities, certain types of demons that are attacking you. Then when I, you'll give a chance to just say them out loud. So if you know, like it's a suicide demon or an addiction demon, if you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's an anger thing, you know, it's more than just an emotion, you know, this is demonic, uh, then you can just identify it while I'm praying. I'll give you the opportunity to do that. So I want you just to, uh, get in your, um, in your prayer mode right now. Just do this, like shake it off here. Here we go. It's real easy. Pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I repent for giving place to demons in my life. Now, right now, if you can identify any demons, just identify them. Just identify them. Demons of strife, anger, pornography, addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual perversion, fornication, adultery, suicide, abortion. Just identify any of those eating disorders. And say this, I forgive myself for the pain and limitations I have allowed demons to inflict on me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce and break all agreements with demons and strongholds. I break every contract with evil. I take authority over them now and command the stronghold and all associated demons to leave me now in the name of Jesus. Based on the finished work of the cross and my authority as a believer. Whoa. Yeah. You feel it now. I can feel it right now. They're flying out of here. That when a covenant is made, when you bless somebody that you're not, uh, that you're away from, God can send angels to minister and protect, to guide and protect. Have you ever been concerned about your children when they were away from you? Had they ever went on a trip and you were praying for them, but you were nervous about it? Have you ever been a, oh, separated from your spouse? They went and took a trip to work. Uh, maybe it got on a plane and they were gone for a week and you were worried about them. This is where this prayer applies because you can have full of faith that while your family's parted away from you, that God would not only protect you, but protect them as well. And so I just want to teach you a prayer uh, that I learned many years ago. I pray over my children, particularly when they even go off to school. I pray, I pray the prayer over them. And I thought it would be really good, since we just renounced all the demons, uh, that we could pray a prayer that would allow angelic assistance and Holy Spirit assistance in our lives too. Amen? All right. It's just a sentence or two long, so it's not going to keep you long. But if you recite this after me, this is something you can take and you can pray over your loved ones as well. Just say this, Heavenly Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus 
no harm, no danger, no disabling accident happen to my children or my family when they are away from me. And what you don't realize, but now you do, is that you just empowered angelic assistance over your family when they're away from you. And you can be at peace in that time frame. Amen? And you can always follow them on Fine Friends. You can have a seat. We're going to close here in a moment.